Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. And I think we've done from every standpoint a, a incredible job. Uh, we shouldn't have lost anybody. Nobody should have lost China released something that they shouldn't have been allowed to release. They should not have released. It came out of China. It went to Europe. It went all over the world. Should have never happened. They could have stopped it. They stopped it from going into the remainder of China. It started in Wuhan, and they stopped it. But they didn't stop it from coming to our country. We had to take care of the situation we were given. Now, long before anybody else wanted to do it, I closed our borders to a very heavily infected China. If I didn't do that, we would have had hundreds of thousands more people die. Uh, Dr. Fauci said it, many people said it. It was a great decision. It was a decision I made and I had to make. It was a decision that a lot of people thought I was wrong. Nancy Pelosi said I was wrong. Joe Biden said I was wrong. They all came back and they said it was the right decision. And I was way early. That was in January, the end of January I did that. Welcome back to War Room Pandemic. It's Thursday, September the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2020. Episode 380 of War Room Pandemic starts now. I want to make sure you're getting all of your questions, comments in using the hashtag War Room Pandemic and in the live chat on YouTube. We're on America's Voice, the John Fredericks Radio Network, G News, GTV, subtitled in Mandarin, blown through the CCP's firewall. And later on in the day on Newsmax, Jack's Ma- Jack Maxi. And Raheem Kassam here in the war room. Stephen K. Bannon joining us down the line. Steve. Yeah, uh, it's breaking news. The Hill is reporting that Ted Lieu, uh, who's a congressman out in California, big fan of President Trump's, is now using the term of reckless homicide. And President Trump is guilty of reckless homicide uh, because of the revelations in the uh, in the book uh, with um, Bob Woodward. This is what I mean, guys. The Trump campaign's got to take this head on and turn the tables. And really talk about, I talked about criminal negligence uh, earlier, not reckless homicide, but criminal negligence. But I think I think the president, yeah. the president's team, uh, Dr. Fauci, all these have a great story to tell. I think that story ought to be told. And I think this is part of the signal and the noise that you see, you know, Mika calling him evil, talking about reckless homicide coming from uh, Congressman Ted Lieu, who was one of the big guys in the impeachment process. You're seeing the rhetoric being turned up to a level, I think, unparalleled in American history. And uh, even with President Lincoln during the Civil War, so you're seeing uh, you're seeing very, very, very heated rhetoric. I think dangerous rhetoric, and that rhetoric is coming from the Democrats and coming out from their media allies. I think uh, Mika has really got to do some soul searching here and and consider about the heated rhetoric she's using and what what that could what that could lead to. So, Marheem, I know you guys are the National Pulse now. We want your entire team over there. You're doing an incredible job 
on about this transition integrity project. I know the audience is, is on fire. First, I'd like to hear from you and Jack of where we stand with audience participation today because this is all the game's changed now. This is no longer just a, uh, you know, we've now shifted into whirlwind mode. Uh, this is where everybody's got to get activated. This is where you need total full mobilization. So I'd uh, like to hear where, where the uh, where the whirlwind posse stands right now, either hashtag whirlwind pandemic or on the live uh, live stream. Yeah. Um, firstly, I just want to add on to a point you're making there about, you know, the Ted Lu and, and, and the ramping up of the rhetoric. I think in a lot of senses, what you do is not just jump right back at them and turn it around on them, but you let them hang themselves a little bit with their with their um, hyperbole. I think a lot of people around the country know what the truth is. They've followed this very closely. They've had no choice but to, given the 24-hour uh, coverage and the fact that so many people are stuck at home all day, every day. Um, and 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 I think you you allow the Democrats just to just give them give them enough rope on this one. And I think that that they will show themselves to be sufficiently out of touch with reality and out of touch with with the ordinary Americans during this uh, during this pandemic. Um, in terms of the live stream, I've been watching the the. Uh, YouTube live chat all morning. A lot of people amped up about uh, exactly what we we're about to talk about, which is the obviously the transition integrity project and the impending coup, uh, but also the the broader theme and the thesis of uh, mail-in voting and and how it can possibly be counted uh, on as accurate. I had Bill McGinley on the National Pulse show yesterday at 3 p.m. Uh, talking about this as well. The one-two punch of Dr. Yan and Bill McGinley, as you said. Uh, there yesterday, Steve. And and look, you know, my whole approach to this is you take the evidence where the evidence exists. So you take the evidence from all across the Western world where mail-in, absentee, postal voting is used uh, and various uh, perturbations of, of, of definitions on those three things are used across the Western world. But you look at the broader evidence and the trend line is that actually most countries, including the Council of Europe, so many European nations, hyper-progressive, hyper-globalist, um, they don't want to use en masse uh, mail-in voting for the very reasons that the president has stated, for the very reasons we're walking through. And no matter how much Benjamin Ginsburg and all these CCP apparatchiks uh, want to go out there on MSNBC and CNN, that mantra that the president has tapped into is borne out in the polling. A Washington Post poll, which literally was just published, shows that of registered voters, just over 3 in 10 say they are very confident that their vote will be counted accurately if they vote by mail. And that number is sinks to just under 3 in 10 for all Americans uh, uh, taken in this poll. So I think, you know, we can be very clear about this, is that there is a lack of, there is a crisis of confidence in this election already, Steve. Well, can I put in something here, Steve, some uh, observations? We got a top-line post from one of our long-term listeners, and this is just a minute ago, so it's literally the first one that I'm reading. Who is tired? Let's crush them. This might sound like hyperbole, but we've been given the opportunity to save and help Restore the West. Who could ask for a more noble mission or more glorious fight? Thank God we have been given this challenge. Think about that, people. Take inspiration from it. Now, in terms of the polling... I want to, put that, up. I want to put that up on the wall. That's exactly what we're talking about. Remember, you're deplorables in Lao Beijing. You think Lao Beijing's had an easy job throwing over the Chinese Communist Party? Well, guess what? They don't, okay? And you're not going to have an easy time... Uh, blowing back on this globalist uh, project, which is a really crushed nationalism and populism 
in the United States. They don't want to have your voice count. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They just want you to be a, a nice surf, right? Be a nice Russian surf here in the United States of America. Everybody has to understand. November 3rd is just another post on the highway, right? Don't think it's going to be some big cathartic thing that all of a sudden it's all going to be great and they're all going to go away. No, they're not. Look at this book on Woodward. We've got guys like Dan Coach, the U.S. Senator from Indiana, for many, many decades, one of the most respected guys in the Republican Party. And he's talking basically coup uh, in the government and not telling anybody about it. Kind of one of the, it sounds like one of the co-conspirators, right? So, I mean, this is Dan Coats, who's, uh, who's held up as a, uh, as a model Republican. This is, not, this is not some Democratic operative. What he is is a globalist. That's what you find out. He's does, he doesn't believe in American first nationalism. He doesn't believe in populism. He doesn't believe in protecting working class people of every ethnicity, race, gender, religion. Right? They don't believe in that. This is part of the globalist project. Also, don't think it's going to end on November 3rd. That's the whole thing we're trying to make sure you understand now. It's going to go all the way up to at least the night before the inauguration. This fight's going to take months, okay? And then after President Trump wins and he's inaugurating the 20th, don't think it all goes away. Then it's only going to get worse, okay? So I'd like to sit there and pat you on the head and say, hey, there's all kind of sunlit uplands are, are in front of us. But right now, this is a grind. And it's going to be for patriots. It's going to be for people who are serious, that want to save their country. And Jack, uh, what you just read there from, from the uh, audience is exactly why we do this show every day, exactly why we put so much work into this thing, is because of that. If we've got that spirit and commitment, and, and we know the Lao Beijing, we know that you see in the whistleblower movement and the new federal state of China, all these people coming together, working with their mainland brothers and sisters to overthrow the Chinese Communist Party. This is what the true world revolution is, right? It's not Antifa. It's not the Marxist element of Black Lives Matter. It's none of that, right? That's, that's actually a counter-revolution. They're the shock troops for the globalists, okay? And they're the shock troops for the Chinese Communist Party. So we have our work cut out for us. And what we're going to do here every day is kind of run tutorials, run little mini TED Talks, actually talk about the signal, not the noise, give you tomorrow's news today, right, as we've done for months and months and months and months and months. So, Raheem, walk us through right now where you think we stand with this transition uh, integrity project, right? You're seeing articles come out all day long. It's pretty amazing. The rhetoric's getting heated. They're, they're working the information worker part of it. They're getting ready for the lawfare part of it. And obviously, they're getting ready for the muscle, which is this call. I think uh, there was a uh, there's some progressive sites saying they want 4 million people in Washington, D.C. Uh, by election day. So it's uh, the intensity of things turning up every day. Mr. Yeah. Raheem Ghassan, what say you? Yeah, and they're legitimizing uh, some of the insane actions that we'll see take place and start really in earnest next week the white house siege uh for instance that we, we we've heard touted and we, we first sort of disclosed was going to take place on this show about a month ago i think we were talking about this and the transition integrity project is really laundering the rationale behind things like that but here's here's some things that i look out for right you've got to look for the small tells and the small tweaks and changes every so often that give away where they're going where their mental state is and and, and what they're thinking about right now i remember last week i was complaining that they had a beautiful wikipedia page right it was just uh, incredibly well curated. They had only positive articles about them up there. It goes Newsweek, Boston Globe, The Atlantic, The Atlantic, Vox, The New York Times, The Atlantic, The Atlantic, NPR, etc., etc. Well, now, oh, just a week later, uh, they have added to their Wikipedia page. They now have a really full-blown 
uh, Wikipedia entry. Uh, uh, an organization which has existed for less than a year has a 19 reference Wikipedia page. Everything is hyperlinked. Everything is beautiful. They've got the little summary box on the side. You might be thinking, why is Raheem talking about a Wikipedia page? Because here's the thing. They know that on November the 4th, when these people are rolled out, whether it's Rosa Brooks or Michael Steele or John Podesta or Bill Crystal or Ed Luce or Max Boo or David Fromm or Donna Brazil or Trey Grayson, all of these guys and gals who have been involved in the Transition Integrity Project so far, when they are called to go and give testimony for the House, when they are called onto MSNBC and CNN, and they have the Chiron that says Transition Integrity Project, they know people are going to be searching for that. What does that mean? The ordinary American is going to be going, who are these people? Are they reliable? And immediately the first search result will be Transition Integrity Project on Wikipedia. And it will lead them to believe that this is a reputable bipartisan or nonpartisan organization when the truth of the matter is that this is an organization that has one foot firmly in the Chinese Communist Party and one foot firmly in the Open Society Foundations. And that's not that's not uh, me guessing. It's not me uh, reading uh, between the lines and saying, oh, this must be Soros backed. It's open in your face. Rosa Brooks was the general counsel for George Soros himself. Uh, the other founder of this thing, Nils Gilman, is the, the uh, Begruen Institute, which has the 21st Century Council, which is a Chinese Communist Party staffed organization within the Begruen Institute. Um, now they've got their scenarios that are on their Wikipedia page. It walks people through game one, game two, game three, game four, so that when the story, when history is written in real time between November the 4th and January the 20th, this acts as a central reference point for them to go, see, we're legit and the other side isn't well there is one thing Raheem Wikipedia can be edited at will so you mm. probably should go in there and put in some it of doesn't that, work like that it Why doesn't not? work like that because you have to have a history of being a reliable Wikipedia yeah. editor in order to get the changes made okay well yeah, I, work like while that. we talk about the signal from the noise here and we're talking about the fear of the Democrats I think it's important to go back to that poll of the NBA the other day Top three questions, why people are no longer watching. Viewership is down 27% year over year. Number one question, the league has become too political, 38%. That's why they're not watching. Number two, boring without fans, 28%. Number three, here's the big bomb, people, China. People are sick and tired of kowtowing to the Communist Party of China, like the NBA, like the Democratic Party. 19% won't watch the NBA because of their commie connections. Right, we're going to take a break here. Steve will be back. Uh, Jack Maxey, Raheem Hassam, Stephen K. Bannon, more war and pandemic. Returning to you in a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Months of heavy rain have battered China with record floods, and there are growing fears that the Three Gorges Dam may break. A breach of the dam would wipe out the homes of millions of Chinese, and it would likely destroy many of China's pharmaceutical factories, which much of the world depends on. But the problem with Asia's waters goes far beyond the Three Gorges Dam. To really understand what's going on, we follow the water to its source. We're seeing Tibet die. When it comes to understanding the water crisis in Asia, Maura Moynihan traces the problem to the Tibetan Plateau. And the water of Tibet is being weaponized and stolen. 
from the peoples of Asia who have depended on it. For As a longtime China watcher and Tibet activist, she has spent decades studying the realities of Tibet. Because it's one of the biggest, most important stories in the world. As the worst floods of the century hit China, we sit down with Maura Moynihan. As she argues, whoever controls the water controls the future. Welcome back to the War Room, Jack, Maxi, Raheem, Kassam, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, Steve, that clip, we, uh, we, we're going to have more Moynihan on in just a second. Yeah, more Moynihan, as soon as she gets connected and get a connection, we're going to bring her in a second. I, I want to, though, guys, uh, go back to something you had on the show yesterday before we bring more in. Uh, look, we've talked about this for months about the water. And we've had Mara Monaghan on from the very earliest part of a war room pandemic. You know, she's Senator Daniel Patrick Monaghan's daughter, uh, a very prominent uh, fighter for the freedom of the Tibetan people for years. She has been a fire breather against the Chinese Communist Party, and she knows how the Chinese Communist Party rolls. Raheem, you had Dr. Yan on yesterday in a, just another incredible media hit by Dr. Yan. And I happen to know that she's working on some stuff that's going to be public in probably the next 24, 48 hours about the Wuhan lab. But what's stunning to me, and I'm going to get into this with more about the actions the president has to take, is how the Chinese Communist Party is now allow, you know, talking about how their models, you know, so perfect, how they've handled everything in this crisis so perfectly, when obviously it's going to be pointed out and proven that this virus came from the Wuhan lab. So guys, I'd like to know, particularly you, Raheem, and, and, and Jack, uh, and I'd like to hear from the War Room Pandemic audience, how did the Chinese, you talk about Trump trying to flip the tables on the, on the Woodward book. How did we get in a situation where uh, this virus is the CCP virus? This virus has killed 190,000, almost 190,000 Americans, right? It killed over 200,000 by election day. Uh, how is this, uh, it, how are we in a situation where the Chinese Communist Party has now got the Tom Friedmans and all these other guys in the world saying, hey, look how they've handled this thing. Their economy starting to come back. They're starting to, to get people back to school. They're starting to get their factories up. Uh, you know, this totalitarian, authoritarian uh, model uh, looks like it's working. How do we get in this situation? Steve, I think we got in this situation because people like Friedman et al. are naive. I think if there's anything that could illustrate to the whole world what a closed society China is, it's the complete lack of information on this giant flood. We also saw a lack of information on the Wuhan virus. So why it is that anybody who is reasonably intelligent we continue to quote the Chinese CCP concerning what's going on inside their country is beyond me. If uh, the nicest thing that could be said for them is that they are useful idiots. But unfortunately, I think that they are more than that. Uh, I, I personally don't understand it. I think that the world is waking up to the fact that the Chinese are responsible. There was an article out this morning in the Daily Mail in New York about an 84-year-old British grandfather who died in early, early January, had been sick for a month, and now, retrospectively, it turns out that he had the Wuhan virus. His uh, daughter was sick before him. She thinks she, she got sick in November. This indicates very clearly that this thing may have been going around the world. And you had a, a former Tory leader, uh, Duncan Smith, telling, uh, or Ian Duncan Smith, telling the Daily Mail, this shows that there has been a major cover-up in China over this from the word go. There needs now to be a full investigation, both into the role of China in the covering up of this virus and its human-to-human -human transfer capabilities, and questions need to be asked about an inquiry into the behavior of the World Health Organization. 
Once they knew there was a problem, why didn't they go public with it? This is the question that the whole world is asking concerning the Communist Party of China, concerning the World Health Organization, and I believe that it lays bare the reality that the world is beginning to understand that the CCP is responsible for everything that has happened to us. Duncan Smith is one of the most prominent voices in the in the Tory party from back in the days of, uh, of when uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher stepped down. Raheem, uh, where are we on this? This is pretty shocking to me that the mainstream media, given everything they want to investigate on the Trump administration, they go under you know, every nook and cranny. You have the biggest crime of, uh, of, of centuries uh, right in front of us. Clearly, uh, something happened in Wuhan. Clearly, the CCP and the senior cadres knew about it. You had Dr. Yan on yesterday. Why do you think the media is just not anywhere near touching this thing? The mainstream media does not want to, whether it's the, the cable networks, whether it's the New York Times, Washington Post, I mean, the bare minimum reporting on what's the reality in China, I understand it's getting them kicked out right now by the Chinese Communist Party. But why is it, Raheem, that you don't see more people, you know, when Duncan Smith comes up, why it's not front-page news everywhere? And why people in London, why people in Washington, D.C., why people in New York that know better and really kind of know what's going on? Why is there not more focus on how this thing originated in the Wuhan lab by the Chinese Communist Party? Three reasons. Uh, competency, complicity, and conformity. So competency, you'll notice, and we said this before, that a lot of these media organizations just simply do not have the internal competency to deal with something like this. The health editors, uh, the health correspondents are more like political talking heads nowadays. You turn on CNN, you look at who they're, even Fox News' uh, health correspondent is talking politics half the time when he's, on, when he's being interviewed. The second part is complicity. A lot of these media organizations are openly in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. They run China Daily inside their newspapers. Uh, they run ad advertisements. They run opinion pieces. Uh, they have links to CGTN and CCTV, the state-run Chinese media organizations. They attend the same conferences together. People like Fareed Zakaria sit on the boards of Chinese Communist Party-linked organizations, entities, think tanks, and so forth. And then the third one is conformity. Uh, it does not conform uh, to the narrative, the anti-Trump narrative, for them to to pursue the truth about what happened in Wuhan. Wow, amazing. Uh, Raheem, you got to write that up. I love the three C's. I know you did that up on the fly, but that's pretty That's pretty amazing. You absolutely nailed it. Uh, do we have the link to Mara yet? Because I want to bring her on and yeah. get her thoughts. Mara Monaghan joins us. Mara is one of the most prominent, uh, really, defenders of the rights of the Tibetan people, the Dalai Lama and the Tibetan Buddhists. But she's been anti-CCP for decades. She was like uh, Cassandra, uh, warning the West, warning the United States. Part of that came as a young girl when her dad was uh, ambassador to India. Her dad's one of the most prominent politicians in the latter half of the 20th, uh, 20th century and an absolute giant uh, in politics, uh, and particularly geopolitics. Uh, Mara, I want to put the question to you. You, you, you were kind of in the mix. You, know, you're, you're, you, were, you uh, are part of or used to be part of uh, the inner, you know, the inside baseball culture in New York City. Why have our elites? Why is there no outrage? Why is there no demand for investigations? Why is there no demand for for accountability? What does the Chinese Communist Party have over these people? What's so stunning to me that we've done this show now from January, and the death and destruction, the lies, the misrepresentations, these major institutions like 
the World Health Organization, uh, major media organizations. It's absolutely stunning to me. And people like Mike Pompeo and Tom Cotton and Peter Navarro and myself, when we speak out and we start hammering, next thing you know, uh, we're in the Global Times and they got cartoons about us. We're, we're evil. Uh, we're a threat to the Chinese people. So you know uh, high culture. You know you are part of that mix. You're part of that mix today. Why are the elites in the world, the financial and cultural elites, not demanding of the political class that some accountability about, about this, really this authoritarian dictatorship in China? What, what are we missing here? Well, Steve, that's the operative question that I, I, I have uh, been puzzling through my whole life. Why are we beholden to a genocidal dictatorship that is responsible for the deaths of at least 80, some say 100 million people in the 20th century, which is greater than the numbers of Stalin and Hitler? I think they have something on all these people. Uh, uh, the Chinese Communist Party never gives anything for nothing, and they also make sure they secure their assets. But I also think it's just a moral failing. It's just a moral failing, and especially we're seeing, since this dreadful pandemic has crippled our nation, crippled the world, we're seeing the China apologist gang, the running dogs and useful idiots, doubling down on their support for the CCT. This should be a bipartisan issue. It, it, I mean, but the support for uh, Tibet and Chinese distance was always very, very small, and it was a slice of bipartisanship. But, you know, the uh, push, uh, the support uh, for the Chinese Communist Party has always been very, very strong. But now we're seeing the American people in the latest Rasmussen Pew poll have 79% of a strongly negative view of the Chinese government. And that has to get a lot of the panda huggers worried. Uh, but uh, I think that they just took Chinese money, the normalization of the CCP, you know, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Columbia, you know, it's all fine to you know, let some CCP gangster come and give you $5 million for a center. And uh, they've all taken junkets, and I, which I have never done. And now we find that um, they're on record defending the CCP as it's crippled our country. And, and it's, it's very alarming, and it's very frightening. It's very serious consequences. So, uh, Mark, we're just hanging for a second. We're going to take a short commercial break. I want to come back. One of the things I want to ask you about in this next segment, we're talking about CCP. Is your New York City born and bred? And I mean, just I know you know New York better than anybody. I am stunned by how this is zombie land now. There is literally nothing going on. I don't think the American people really understand. They've been focused on Portland and other areas, Washington, D.C., and New York City. I don't even know how they're going to turn around and come back. Okay, short commercial break. Raheem, back to you to take us out. Short commercial break. Be back with more modern. Yeah, I want to hear all your thoughts. I'm really grateful to everybody in the live chat weighing in today. Make sure you're sharing this show, subscribing everywhere, and making sure you're retweeting and sharing the clips that go up immediately after. We'll be right back. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, the breaking news is uh, coming out about the mail-in vote and how the American public really do not believe uh, and they do not have confidence in this process. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that over the course of the next couple of days. Certainly, you'll hear more about it here on The War Room. Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam here in studio on Capitol Hill. Stephen K. Bannon, Maura Moynihan joining us down the line. Steve? 
Yeah, Brahim, you're going to hear a lot more of it starting the evening of November 3rd when the entire republic is going to hold, you know, hang in the balance about this mail-in vote and the counting of this mail-in vote. So, look, we just want to warn people, every day we're going to be on this because this is about the future of the country. One of the reasons I want to come up to New York this week, we got a lot of work to do with Miles Rowe. We're going to do a special on Saturday about the new cultural revolution. Really, Miles Rowe and the team of the Whistleblowers, New Federal State, uh, and Guomi have turned the tables on the Chinese Communist Party. They're launching fashion companies, uh, music companies, everything. Uh, they've got uh, the, the, the great uh, Take Down the CCP. The song is uh, on fire throughout the world. I think it's the first Chinese song that's starting to register in iTunes, uh, you know, in, in countries in Europe and the United States. So we'll have Miles on for a two-hour special on Saturday. But i got to tell you, Raheem, I, I was stunning coming off the ship and seeing D.C., that uh, how dead D.C. is. I realize Congress is not back, but, man, it was bizarre over the Labor Day weekend to see just nothing happening. I mean, no, it was it was incredible. So I came up here to New York, do a bunch of work this week, and I'm even more shocked about New York. Everybody that knows this city knows that the Tuesday after Labor Day is when things get geared up. Everybody's got to get stuff done before the end of the year for the fourth quarter to go into the great holiday season that New York's already, already is always had from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's Eve in Times Square. It is stunning. This is not the New York uh, that we know. Honestly, I, and tomorrow we're going to do a special on commemorating 9-11, right, and go back and have actually people that were there. We've got a very special program tomorrow. We're obviously going to interweave breaking news. We've got so much news to get to, but tomorrow a special commemoration. But Mara, you know New York City. You, you know, you're, you're a hipster. You know New York City better than anybody. What is going on here, and why, is, why are people not outraged? This city is, there's nobody on the streets. It's, it's 11 o'clock, 11.30, on a work day, and there's crickets outside. There's no taxis, there's no people, there's nothing going on. What is going on with the beloved capital of the world, New York City? Well, it's a terrible tragedy, and it, it, it breaks my heart as a native New Yorker to see my city uh, uh, on its knees into, into six months of this lockdown. And uh, a, a lot of studies are coming out uh, from Asia about how the lockdowns are, are actually not effective, especially on the Indian subcontinent. And uh, I'm just wondering if politics is being played here. Uh, and I, uh, I'm wondering how, how strong the influence of the CCP is in pressuring uh, our dreadful Marxist mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, who said uh, last month he's going to keep the entire city totally shut for the entire month of October. Now, why is he doing that? Is it a political decision or is it a health decision? Uh, uh, the uh, CCP virus cases have gone way down. But I, I'm very proud of my, my fellow New Yorkers for their civility, for their, their courage and their bravery that they showed at 9-11 and Hurricane Sandy. But it can't go on like this because it is the financial capital of America, of the world. And if it continues like this, it's going to have very serious long-term consequences. Mueller, I want to turn now to, to President Trump. You've heard some pretty heated rhetoric out of him saying, you know, Beijing, Biden, that Biden, you know, if Biden wins, China owns the future. Uh, but I want to go back to actions. We, we've been a very big uh, proponent of action, action, action. You've been at this anti-CCP now for, I think, 30 or 40 years. If you had a, a meeting with the president, a chance to actually talk to him, because, you know, we know these guys watch the show pretty closely, what recommendations would you recommend to the president to take the rhetoric which is clearly being a little more heated, and to turn that into an action plan that would actually confront the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, again, as I said before, this should be a bipartisan issue. As the polls show, all Americans now 
uh, perceive the, the Chinese Communist Party as a threat to the world, and certainly a threat to the United States, which they've been saying in their official literature for years, which I've been reading my whole life. I mean, just go to the Global Times and Xinhua, it's all right there. They want to destroy America from within, and that's what they've been doing, with stealing our intellectual property and, and buying off all our elites. Uh, so the first step I would take would be a hard decouple, a hard economic decouple. They need us way more than we need them, especially now when, when, when catastrophic floods are, are, are destroying the wheat and the rice crop and uh, their manufacturing sector in the Yangtze River Basin. I would give uh, not three years to uh, make uh, Chinese companies comply with audits on the New York Stock Exchange that American companies have to endure, and they don't because of a 2013 rule that was passed by Obama-Biden that exempts Chinese communist companies from audits. So I would do that. Now, I wouldn't give them 30 days. I'd give them, I'd give them a week. I would actually give them 24 hours. I would expel their diplomats. I, I would also, uh, I, I'm, very, I'm very glad that the State Department revoked 1,000 visas for Chinese graduate students who are, who are all, they're all working for the CCP. We've known this for years. Every, every, every Chinese student, especially high level in, in STEM, uh, uh, you know, STEM research has to be interviewed by the Public Security Bureau, which is basically the Gestapo of the CCP, to, to spy and to bring back information. So they're all doing it. And I would also go after their media holdings. Why not shut down the Xinhua Tower in Times Square here in New York City? And there's a $500 Xinhua headquarters on New York Avenue in Washington, D.C. Shut it down. They don't allow our diplomats or our journalists uh, freedom of movement in China, and they've been expelling them. So we should do the same. That's what I would do. You said there's there's new development in Spain. I think you said there's some, some developments in Europe that are taking place of, of holding these guys accountable. Can you update our audience of what that is? Well, that, that was actually some time ago. Uh, my my friend, Apollon Gasso, the monk who spent uh, 33 years in Chinese prison, we uh, 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 took Li Peng and Zhang Zemin, who was then uh, the premier of China, uh, to court in the Spanish High Court, and we, we, we got a genocide uh, verdict. And for a while there, Interpol had an arrest warrant out for Li Peng and for Zhang Zemin. Uh, but then, uh, uh, of course, uh, the judge retired, and uh, the EU put pressure on Spain to drop the charges. Well, why not do it again? I want to go back. You said this is a genocidal dictatorship. Miles Rowe. Mm -hmm. Actually said on our show a week ago, he said, hey, I don't understand why you guys, you know, CCP lied, Americans died, CCP lied, Canadians died, CCP lied, Australians died. Why are you not, he says, hey, it's 190,000, it's going to go to 250, 300, it's going to keep going. This is genocide, why are you guys not doing it? You use genocidal dictatorship about the genocide you had against Lao Beijing and the Chinese people, right? The, the hundreds of millions of people dead are virtually all Chinese. Why are the United Nations, why are the, the court, you know, the international court in, in Netherlands, why are people, I mean, why are activists not trying to sit there and go, hey, this is an act of genocide, and we ought to be on, we ought to be on top of people everywhere in the world? Well, well, we in the Tibet movement, we certainly tried our best. But the problem is, um, uh, with, the, with, with the appeasement of the, of the genocidal dictatorship, that is the Chinese Communist Party, uh, they, they pretty much brought the UN now. And it was also, you know, laziness and accommodation by Western diplomats that allowed this to happen. I mean, last year, uh, it was the Chinese delegation that, that got control of the, of the uh, uh, United Nations Human Rights Commission, which was like having a Nazi control the United Nations Human Rights Commission. 
And uh, I think uh, the, one, the one positive thing that has come out of the CCD virus is now around the world, there is a perception among uh, regular people and voters that the CCP is a malevolent and dangerous force. And the many, many decades of engagement, you know, we were all promised by the Wall Street visionaries that Coca-Cola would bring democracy. Well, that hasn't happened, has it? And, uh, uh, you know, and that engagement in throwing money at them, uh, they would suddenly transform in, into a liberal democracy overnight and, and, and they'd be our friends. Well, that hasn't happened. They've just stolen our technology and they're waging war on the world with this bioweapon and their extremely aggressive actions in Asia. But I, I also, I'm, because the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post all have taken four years full-page color ads every week from China Daily, uh, and the New York Times quietly announced they're no longer going to be running the China Daily insert, but they didn't say they weren't taking money for them or sending their journalists you know, to conferences with them or inviting the Chinese ambassador, Ambassador Chiang Kai, who's a charming fellow, who's a hardcore Maoist in a fancy suit with cufflinks, you know. So what, you know, underneath it, um, he, he detests democracy much as he likes Italian suits. He goes to the New York Times, the Washington Post, you know, to the boardroom, and they, they pet him and they dine him and wine him and so forth. Well, I, I, we can't trust these media outlets that a lot of people still look to as, you know, papers of record. Um, and I noticed that on mainstream media. They never, never mention China. They're not even talking about the catastrophic floods that could cripple the world economy because 90% of our medications are made in the Yangtze River Valley. Uh, oh, so so I, I would say hard, hard decouple, hard action, well, expel diplomats. Yeah, I want to get to this point. We've got about three minutes left. I want you to talk about this concept. They've weaponized water. In three minutes, walk the audience through what you're talking about up in the Himalayas. How has the Chinese companies weaponized water? What impacts it had on Asia? And why should people in America care? Here's a map of the Tibetan Plateau. As you can see how large it is. It is uh, and, and the nine great rivers of Asia all descend from the Tibetan Plateau. And they nourish and cleanse the, the people of the Asian continent, three billion people, the world's most lo uh, largest continent. And for many, many years now, with absolutely zero coverage and zero interest from Western media, Western think tanks and foundations, believe me, I tried and I knocked on every single door, and the door slammed in my face every single time. They have built tens of thousands of hydro dams on all these rivers, which all affects the food supply and the people of China, because the yellow and the Yangtze, they come from Tibet and they go into China. But the Mekong is a transnational river. And they have built so many dams on the Mekong that Southeast Asia is experiencing the worst flood in its history. Uh, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, all of them. And uh, now the Chinese Communist Party pretty much runs Laos, it, where I've been several times. You can see uh, you know, Belt and Road projects absolutely everywhere. Uh, building all these new dams in Laos before the Mekong goes into Thailand and, and down uh, the uh, Mekong River Basin in Vietnam. And this is having catastrophic effects for food supply. And they're also doing the Brahmaputra and the Indus, which, are, which come from Tibet, which are also transnational rivers. But you won't read about this in the New York Times. You won't hear about it on NBC. And you won't see a single think tank touch it. Why? Because they're covering up for the CCP. That's why. We need an alliance of liberty, such as been proposed by Secretary Pompeo, where India, uh, J uh, Japan, Indonesia, Thailand should all come together and push back on the CCP because the peoples of Asia, China is their neighbor. So they really can inflict damage on the countries of Asia. They can inflict damage here, as we've seen, but with the immediate effects 
with the water supply can be felt all over Asia. It's one of the most serious problems in the world that gets zero, zero coverage. So I thank you, Steve, for asking me on War Room to talk about this because, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear it. Well, Mara, we got to bounce for a commercial break. How do people, what's your what's your Twitter handle? You're, you're an audience favorite. You're already lighting up War Room Pandemic in the live stream uh, for questions to Mara. So give, give, us your, give us your Twitter handle so people can follow you. Oh, thank you. Maura Moynihan 1. My website is Maura Moynihan 1957. And uh, I, I just did an interview on American Thought Leaders that you can watch. It goes into great detail about the hydro dams on, on Tibet's uh, nine rivers and, and the catastrophic effects for the three billion people in Asia. And so thank you. I hope you'll keep reporting this story. And why don't we expel all the Xinhua spies that poses journalists? Mara Monahan, we're going to link to the epic epic times interview with Mark Monaghan about the weaponization of the uh, rivers and the waters of Asia by the Chinese Communist Party. You know, Mika ought to understand, if you want to look for evil, you can go right to Beijing and see it, Mika. You just got to take the, uh, you guys got to take the blinders off. Okay, Raheem, uh, to you to take us out, and we'll come back and we'll wrap up about the next segment about the, uh, about everything that's going on in this transition part. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, we're always grateful for, uh, for Maura and, uh, and all the information. We know she likes to hang out in the live chat as well, and the audience loves her. I'm going to say a very special thank you to Maura Moynihan. We'll be right back in just a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Task Force members with the president uh, were talking about the reality of what was going on. And then when we would get up in front of the press conferences, which were very, very common after our discussions with the president, he really didn't say anything different than we discussed when we were with him. So I, I'm, I may not be tuned in to the right thing that they're talking about, but I didn't really see any discrepancies between what he told us and what we told him and what he ultimately came out publicly and said. So did you get a sense that he was or wasn't playing this down? No. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get any sense that he was distorting anything. I mean, in my discussions with him, they were always straightforward about the, the concerns that we had. We related that to him. And uh, when he would go out, and I'd hear him discussing the same sort of things. He would often say, we just got through with a briefing with the, the group from the task force and would talk about it. So, no, it may have happened, but I... I I have not seen that kind of distortion. So, so back in February, uh, according to... Huh. to that, Steve. Yeah, Raheem, I think this is part of the you know part of the, the turnaround. They should present today. I think firing off the football should you know put this to bed. I, I think he ought to have a debate right now, not wait for the 29th about who's to handle the pandemic better, who's made better recommendations. Donald J. Trump in command decisions, or Joe Biden, you know, in the basement with the Joe Biden with the bib on, you know, spoon feeding. So I think it's time to take this thing on right now, head on. I think President Trump's record on the on the pandemic is more than defensible. I think, given the circumstances, given our level of knowledge, uh, it's been impressive, right? And that's from the rural and pandemic crowd who live and breathe this 24/7. So um, I, I just think you take it on. Look, we've got a lot to cover tomorrow. Commemoration show on 9/11. Nobody else is going to do it, so we are. Uh, it's a major, uh, it kicked off this century, the, this crazy 21st century. We're also have breaking news throughout the entire show, so don't think you're not going to get 
everything about transition project, everything about the polling, all that. We're going to yeah. fit in all of it tomorrow, especially the commemoration show. And then on Saturday, the new cultural revolution in China using modern Western culture combined with Chinese culture to take down the CCP. But just like the Soviet Union was taken down by rock and roll, Coca-Cola, and Levi's jeans. Raheem, Jack, back to you guys. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to add to that as well that uh, you can see over um, Washington, D.C. from last night at 9.11 p.m., you can see the lights uh, that were lit up at the Pentagon uh, shining high into the sky. It's very similar to the light display that you've seen in uh, in Manhattan for um, the last 20 years. And uh, it was just stunning. Uh, and I know that the, uh, the, the team over there at the um, Stephen Silla Foundation put that together. It was absolutely remarkable. I saw the pictures on social media. It'll be on tonight as well. Make sure you go and find those images. We'll obviously play some of those um, on the special uh, tomorrow. Jack, anything in closing here? Oh, a bit, the, the, the music. Oh, yeah, you've got to talk about that. Um, number one. Yeah, it's... it's- Number one on iTunes. Yeah, we broke this. We made the American premiere, uh, the global premieres on GTV at 10 a.m. the other day. Ours was 11. It's number one, I think, on iTunes. I don't believe any Chinese language song, although most of this is in English, no Chinese originated song has ever been number one on iTunes. We're going to get all the details, but it's pretty extraordinary, uh, this cultural moment. That is, take down the CCP. I mean, this song couldn't be any more in your grill. And we understand they've got now a new police force to kind of stop uh, the, the promulgation of it. Yeah. You see, you consider that Take Down the CCP is number one on iTunes, while hashtag cancel Netflix is the number one trend on Twitter right now. And you might be starting to see, you know, a great turnaround in, in what's going on out there culturally. I love it. Is, is takedown is Netflix because of uh, of Harry's uh, of Harry's deal? <laughs> is it something else I'm missing? Yeah, it's this it's this disgusting movie called Cuties about children dancing inappropriately. I mean, it's a full on it's a full on like pedophilia movie, and and people are just sick of it. Oh yes, awful. Okay, back to you, Raheem, to take us out with the uh, with the song. Well, what else can we say but take down the CCP? Jack Maxey, Steve Bannon, Raheem Ghassan will be back with you with more War Room Pandemic. Want all your feedback in the live chat? Hashtag War Room Pandemic. Make sure you're subscribing, downloading this song on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you can find it.
Try to tell them and they try to keep it on the hush Middle finger up, turn into a fist They wanna keep the poor poor so they never rich If you wanna see the future, look into the past Been a century of silence, we gon' take it back I'm just stating facts, tell you how it is Ain't no way to change if we don't resist Go Tan Down! Eat one up!